0: I'm always looking for screen-free options to entertain my kids, especially my oldest when we have long car rides or things like that. And something that I really love using with him are podcasts. And there's a really cute new podcast called Mysteries About True Histories, which uh, the acronym is MATH, M-A-T-H. And it's from the creators of the hit podcast Who Smarted and Netflix Brainchild, And it's all about the adventurous world of mysteries about true histories. And it follows these two characters, Max and Molly, who have just been recruited into a secret order of problem solvers. And they're on adventures through time, packed with puzzles, hidden equations, history. And it's really funny, which makes learning kind of cool. And it's perfect for ages six and up. So new episodes drop every Thursday, each stacked with so much after your kids won't even realize how much they're actually learning and my oldest is about six and a half and he loves stuff like this so it's a great new podcast to introduce to your kids the episodes are really short like 15 to 20 minutes so tune in to mysteries about true histories with your older kids you can follow and listen on apple podcasts or wherever you listen to your podcasts Okay, Becca Martinez is here with us today. I'm so excited to talk to you, Becca, because I have followed you personally for such a long time. I love The Bachelor, so I feel like it's been so fun to kind of see your journey after all of that and now becoming a mom. So Becca Martinez is here with us today. She is a mom of two with another one on the way, and she's a huge social media influencer now, but you might know her from her Bachelor fame with Ari's season, now, how many years ago is that now? Oh my gosh. I think we filmed, I was just
1: doing the math on
0: this the other day. We
1: filmed, it'll be six years ago this summer, which is wild. Wow. And yeah, the, it aired a little over five years ago during that same year. I got pregnant with my daughter, um, only three months into dating my husband. And it's just been, yeah, it's definitely been a journey to use the bachelor phrasing. It has been a really, jam-packed action. A dramatic journey. Years. Yes,
0: <laughs> yes. <laughs> So tell us a little bit more about what happened when you were just a few months into dating, you find out you're pregnant. How did that all go down?
1: Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't recommend it. It was extremely <laughs> stressful. Um, you know, I, I did know that I always wanted to be a mom for sure. And before I was on The Bachelor, I had been uh, a nanny pretty much all the way since my freshman year of college and uh, just, you know, have been babysitting. since. I just always loved kids. I always knew I loved kids and yeah. that I wanted that for myself one day. But I was only, I think I was 23 when I got pregnant. And again, very new relationship. So that was, that was really hard because I think, you know, you're already navigating. I mean, I, I just felt like I was navigating so many identity shifts at once because I was all of a sudden. Like reality TV famous, which you know now it doesn't really affect my life. But uh, in the few months after, I mean, it was wild. Like I'd be at the airport and people would just be like, you know, walking with me and sitting next to me to like talk about The Bachelor at my terminal. Like it was just weird. So navigating that whole thing, suddenly gaining hundreds of thousands of followers on. Social media, hearing all these different things that people are saying about you, like that was already a really big identity shift for me. I, you know, had left my, my gigs nannying that I had been doing for so long. So already I was in this whole new life path and then new relationship. And then suddenly uh, getting thrust into being pregnant and becoming a mom. It was just like, Quite a whirlwind, all of yeah.
0: I bet it's like your whole life just changed in a matter of months. Everything is like different. Six
1: months, yeah. It was it was really wild, but I was really excited, and um, and I and I did feel really confident heading into motherhood, despite all of those different things. So uh, it was really exciting. I think honestly, just the most stressful part of it was just. Navigating relationship stuff because we didn't know if we wanted to be together, but we, you know, we were both committed to being parents. And so we're like, oh, you know, we moved in together. Um, That was all just, just a lot. I think to him that
0: I mean for most new parents, adding a baby, and even in the pregnancy stage, there are so many things that you have to talk about and maybe fight about. And then once baby comes, there's just so much extra tension. Like even people who've been together for years and years, I think, really struggle. So that must have been extremely intense. We didn't know each other really at right. all. So I think we got
1: really lucky, though. I say it a lot now that our values around like parenting and how we wanted to raise our children and the kind of lifestyle that we wanted to lead, all of those things just were in alignment. And I think that that made things really easy. I think also, I'm just a lot more of the, um, we're definitely both very opinionated, but I'm a lot more opinionated when it comes to, you know, different paths that I want to take in terms mm-hmm. of parenting and pregnancy and all of that. And he was just really supportive of like, okay, you, you do kind of, you do your thing.
0: Yeah. So does he just kind of let you kind of make those big decisions and choices? Or does he have anything that he has a really strong opinion on?
1: Um, I mean, definitely he does have strong opinions do come up. You know, I think as the kids get older, it's really kind of that more that kind of stuff. Like, you know, now we're navigating, like, are we going to do private lessons? He's he's really into sports and stuff. So he's like, are we going to do private lessons for gymnastics? You know, are we? It's just kind of funny stuff like that how are we handling like discipline? Are we doing punishment? You know, are we do? how are we and kind of, I think that stuff we're starting to have yep. a lot more discussion and, you know, disagreement and dialogue about. Um, yep. but in the first couple years, he didn't have any strong feelings at all about, um, just in terms of making choices around pregnancy or birth or like infancy, I'd say he didn't Really know a lot, and he kind of didn't really care. and kind of let me take the lead on that one, Um, which is easier to be honest, because then then for
0: sure. I mean, there's part of it right where it's like this mental burden that we hear about, where it's like the mom or the birthing person has to make all of the decisions and do all of the research, but then there's also like a nice side of that where you get to make all the decisions.
1: (laughs) Right? (laughs) right.
0: That's kind of how it works in my house, too, and I like to complain about it, but. At the end of the day I want to be in charge so it just is what it is.
1: Absolutely. Like I I do care more and if he cared right. just as much that might actually be kind of difficult. So I yeah, I feel the same way. Yeah.
0: <laughs> so, I know that you've mentioned that you guys have had a little bit of a change of heart with um like sleep training for this next baby. Are there any other things that you feel like you'll do differently or like what made you decide that you wanted to take a little bit of a different approach with baby Yeah.
1: I'd love to talk about that. I think, as you know, it's really hard. Um, there are, I do believe, and I'd love to actually hear what you think about this. I do believe that there are babies that are just fundamentally different sleepers. And like some of the research that you've shared, kind of one of the research things that I that I read on your page that I think people misquote a lot um, or misinterpret in, in terms of like, cry it out. There's the one study about babies that wake but don't basically like don't call out right like for attention versus babies that awake and then they oh it's the self-soothe but the self-soothing is defined as just being able to fall back asleep without calling out for attention totally it's not
0: something we like teach them it's just their temperament yeah
1: exactly and i have to say it's so funny because my brother and his wife they have five kids under the age of 10 yeah they're crazy oh my god all of the I will say all of their kids from like a couple months old were like like they're all kind of like they were all kind of like 8 p.m. to 7 a.m. sleepers. Oh, and I remember telling yeah. them, like,
0: yeah, I'd pop out five of them too if all my kids left because <laughs> Exactly. My- I would just keep going.
1: <laughs> my kids fall in the other category of yeah. they they were just not like that as babies. Yeah. I know now it's so normal. Um, but my children are both breastfeeding, clingy, very, Mm -hmm. uh, just, yeah, it it was just really, 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 really difficult. And, you know, I, I think going into it, I was like, whatever, I'll wing it. We'll just go with the flow. Um, and it ended up being, you know, especially with my daughter, she, totally rejected bottles, like literally from the first two weeks where like you would put a nipple, any kind of bottle nipple in her mouth and she'd be
0: like, like, gagging oh gosh, on it. so hard. So it was really like all on you.
1: It was, it was. And it, it, she would literally, cause I went back to school to finish my degree when she was seven or eight months old and she would literally go on strike all day, would not drink Ugh. out of a cup, straw or bottle for yep. eight hours and would just wait until I got back. Um, and then she might up all night. Like, uh-huh. Yeah. Oh yeah, and uh-huh. both of them were very much like mom's a pacifier. So we bed shared which I thought was great uh in especially the newborn months, but it got really difficult with both kids around 5 or 6 months old where um I I just wouldn't be able to attach the, detach them from the breast like throughout the night. Yeah. Like you know, I would yeah. do all of the things to try to separate them and then you know, their little sleep mouths would be like Searching for my nephew nope. I would absolutely freak out if they got anything other than it. So uh, that was just so hard. really and exhausting. And I have other friends that, you know, bed share and breastfeed. But, um, you know, even if baby's waking, so waking up four or five times a night to, to feed, it's just different than like the all night nursing. When
0: you don't get a break from being touched, (sighs) it is enough to make you go insane. Yeah.
1: And you know, my neck would be all cricked because I'd be, you know, in the, you know, in the sideline position. Oh my God. So anyway, it was just really difficult. Or, you know, we'd be having friends over and I'd be having a nurse her to sleep. And sometimes it'd be taking like an hour to finally actually, oh, it was just, it was just a lot and she didn't want dad. And so it was just all on me. So I just kind of got, I was just like, all right, I'm over this. And it didn't help that I didn't have very many friends that were going through. I didn't have very many friends at all that had kids, Um, especially living in LA. Uh, My husband, who was around 30 at the time, even then, like none of his friends had kids. Like none of his friends were married. It's just a different lifestyle that everyone was leading. So that was really difficult. Um, And, the couple friends I did have were like, we did, you know, we did cry it out sleep training at like 12 weeks old. Like, you know, it's four nights of hell or whatever. And then everything's better. Mm -hmm. Um, And we did actually, actually, I will say, even though I I don't think this is what it's designed for, we did actually get the snoo when she was like five months old and that did actually help her. (laughs) We like did not use it according to how you're supposed to use it at all. Oh my gosh. It's
0: so scary. A lot of people don't. I mean, we didn't either. We had it with my middle and she actually hated being swaddled and hated the the shaking or whatever that it does. Yeah. So it was just a very expensive bassinet for us. Oh just, like, no. just pop her in a regular bassinet.
1: We're like, this is pointless. Oh no. <laughs> no we'd, we'd zip my daughter in it for her nap. We'd zip her in it and we'd put it on like one of the highest settings. And she would just be like laying there like jostling back and <laughs> forth until she finally fell asleep. And then we'd like decrease the setting until like, you know, and actually yeah. that that actually did kind of I, I wouldn't recommend it. But that actually did kind of help her. That was a, actually a, a, a way that we helped her kind of start to be able to fall asleep like without nursing. And, and that was actually that was actually kind of great. I mean. I, I was going
0: to say, she sounds like a little sensory seeker, like wanting to nurse all night, liking the movement. Like she probably needs a lot of sensory input, right? Oh yeah. When,
1: with her naps. So I forgot about this too. When she was four or five months old, it's like, I would just be wearing her for like two yeah. or three hours at a time. Cause that's the only way that she would nap, which again mm-hmm. is fine until you're like, okay, but I'm not fine. Like it's I, fine I, until
0: it's not. Right. Yeah, like I yeah.
1: can't maintain this. This is crazy. Yeah. Um, so anyway, and then, and and I can't, I honestly, now looking back on it, I can't really remember what we did around sleep training with her. I know we did a bit of cry it out. It's all kind of a blur because I did get pregnant at seven months. She was (laughs) seven months old with our son. So th- again, but really, it wasn't getting in your way that much. <laughs> no, no, no. So it was a big year. There was a lot. There was a lot going on. No, I do remember that when we moved to this house, which is right around the time we got pregnant, I do remember that she was like going down in the crib and maybe she was coming in bed with us around 2 a.m. So, you know, there yeah. was
0: a whole Yeah, lot. like a hybrid.
1: There was mm-hmm. a lot going on. I don't really remember exactly how we did things. But with my son, I do remember around four or five months old. It was kind of the same thing we were going through with my daughter, and I was like, "All right, let's commit. Let's just do the cry it out thing." I, I believe we did do it with my daughter, and we. But the the difference was is with my daughter, it was just different. With my son, it felt like we were constantly having to retrain him. You know, mm-hmm. anytime we'd go on vacation, anytime you know anything would disrupt the schedule, we'd have to like redo it
0: which yeah that's the part that they conveniently leave out right (laughs) well and my friend who who
1: first told me about doing cry it out and doing sleep training like they would literally avoid going on you know going anywhere or doing anything because they because yeah it would throw everything off which for us is like not realistic and so no you
0: have to live your life
1: uh, so we just kind of kept hitting this wall and anyway looking back on it like I think what I really noticed, and you know what? there was always something in my head going like it was it it's interesting the kind of like rhetoric that we put around cry it out and sleep train we're like, well, it's there's you know, a crib is a safe space for them. And I'm like, I was telling a friend recently, I was like, well, it is like you are like just putting them. <laughs> this is really dramatic, but in my head, I was just like, well, you are just kind of putting them in a cage and kind of leaving them there <laughs> until they. And she's like, but it's their crib, it's their safe space. I'm like, no, to a baby, it's just bars keeping them in a space alone. So
0: Right, and like- it can become their safe space, sure. right? Like, it totally can. It's just whatever you associate it with, or whatever the baby associates it with. So if they associate it with, this is the place that I cry myself to sleep, then <laughs> they probably won't love it that much. Um, it's but-
1: my crib at all, but I was just sort of, like, thinking about it, like, you know, if if you told someone like, oh, yeah, I put my child in a cage and they scream for like three or four hours and then, you know, eventually they get over it, people would be like, "Um, you know, is everyone okay? Like, this yep. doesn't sound good. But to a baby, they can't. I was just thinking about it. I'm like, well, they can't tell the difference. They don't know the difference between if you put them in a dog crate or you put them in their crib and you let them scream for three hours. Like that to them is like um, totally... You know, they they don't know what's going on. I do think like, and this is just my personal thing, you know, it's like now when my kids are two or three years old, there are times when we're going to bed and I'm like, I'm going, you know, I'm going out, I'm not going to lay with you guys. And they're crying and, you know, they're screaming, they're pissed about it. But the difference is, is that they cognitively understand that I am in the other room because they're getting out of their bed and being like, will you come lay with me? You know, stop (laughs) me crying like please and scratch my back for another 30 minutes you know, there's a different awareness of their surroundings. And I just kept yeah, sure about that and being like, man, that just doesn't just the, the more I was thinking about it in hindsight, I was like, man, that just doesn't sit right with me because my baby doesn't know what's going on. and It's super yeah. scary. And and it it,
0: you're so right it. that like so much of it just doesn't make sense. And parents who are so sleep deprived and just like want something to work so badly will do all of this, like all of these mental gymnastics to be like, oh, well, what this person is saying makes sense. Like, this totally makes sense. Um, and then when you step away and you're not so sleep deprived and desperate anymore, you realize it doesn't really make sense. I remember one of the things, it's because we sleep changed my son, yeah, my oldest. Um, we used like a, you know, popular influencers um, yeah. program, which is pretty much just Ferber. So it's, you know, it's not full cried out extinction where you like leave them in the room overnight and never come back um, okay. until the morning. But, you know, he was crying for up to 20 minutes at a time by himself. So to me, yeah. that's that's cried out too. Like, how old um, he time? He was, oh my God, we started early. We started at like four months, right. but then yeah. it didn't work. You were told to like stick to the plan for two weeks. It never worked. He still cried a total of like a couple of hours every single night. Yeah. Um, so then we tried it again at like six, six or something months, I think. And then that didn't work. And then (laughs) stupidly, we tried a third time um, around nine months, and then it still didn't work. So I just kind of totally gave up at that point. And then he started sleeping through the night at 12 months, like just randomly dropped the night feedings by himself. And he's been a great sleeper ever since like I never he it's so funny, because I thought I had it so bad with him but he's my best sleeper by far. Like from the beginning, from the time he was a newborn, I look back now and realize like, oh, actually I had it pretty good. And like, just because he was waking for a few feedings per night and needed to be rocked to sleep, doesn't mean that I should have sleep trained him. Like he was doing yeah. amazing, but it's like all of this toxic messaging that we're getting about, oh, they have to be able to like sleep through the night. They shouldn't need feedings anymore. They have to go down drowsy, but awake from the beginning or else they'll never learn how to fall asleep on their own. It's like all this fear mongering. And I remember telling my husband, like this sleep trainer that we ended up hiring, not hiring, but we bought her program. Yeah. And in it, she said something like, um, you know, if they're crying, it's really just protesting. Like imagine that they're a toddler and they're saying, you know, mommy, I don't like this or I don't want this. And you have to set limits with them. And, and I remember that made so much sense to me at the time. But it's like what you were just saying, like an infant at three or four months is so different than a two or three or four year old. Like we can't make that comparison. It's just so crazy the things that they'll tell you to justify it. Right.
1: In under six months too, you're like, wait, like remember how only 16 weeks ago, like this, this little human had their every demand met, like without even Mm -hmm. having to ask for it, how they had comfort 24 seven, like, that's a real big shift. Like that is, yes, that is, that's, that's a lot for, for a baby to go through. So yeah, uh it's, yeah, there's definitely a lot of toxic messaging and also just a lot of, a lot of pressure. And, you know, just like with anything with parents, parenting, you're just comparing, you're like, why isn't my
0: baby like that? Now, if you know me, you know that I love to cook and I love creating healthy meals for my family. But even more than that, I love things that are easy and convenient. And even though I love to cook dinner for my kids, sometimes for things like lunches or if I'm just going to be working at night and need something easy for myself to grab, I love Factors meals. And especially now in the spring and summertime where we've got more plans, we're busier, we're outside, we're going out and doing things more. Having Factor meals in my fridge is such a game changer because they're healthy, they're zero prep and they're so fresh and delicious factors fresh and never frozen meals are dietitian approved and ready to eat in just two minutes right from your microwave so no matter how busy you are you always have time to enjoy nutritious and great tasting meals and when i tell you they are actually delicious i 100 percent recommend these my mom even recently asked me, are they really good? I heard you talking about them on your podcast, but is it? are you really saying that you like them? And I said, yes, you have to order them. They are actually so, so yummy. So what are you waiting for? There are 35 different meals and more than 60 add-ons you can choose from each week. So you always have new flavors to explore. You'll never get bored with the same old meals. They truly taste like restaurant quality, so you don't feel like you're depriving yourself of anything. It actually feels like you're fueling up your body with delicious food that is real and super, super nutrient dense. So you can enjoy this effortless support to your lifestyle. Choose from six menu preferences to help you manage whatever goals you have and simply just eat well-balanced, delicious, easy food. Head to factormeals.com slash no one told us fifty and use code no one told us fifty to get fifty percent off your first box plus twenty percent off your next month. So this is an amazing deal. That's code no one told us fifty at factormeals.com slash no one told us fifty to get fifty percent off your first box plus twenty percent of your next month while your subscription is active. And feel free to send me a message and ask me for my favorite meals because I love talking about them and I'll be happy to help you choose. Today's podcast is sponsored by Active Skin Repair, a skin health company helping people heal with natural, non-toxic, and medical-grade ingredients. Active Skin Repair can be used to treat a wide range of skin issues, including cuts, scrapes, burns, sunburn, rashes, and other types of skin damage. And the best part is that it's safe and non-toxic, which makes it suitable for use on all skin types and all parts of the body, even with rosacea, eczema, or acne-prone skin. With over 500,000 happy customers and thousands of five-star reviews and ingredients so safe and clean, they can be used from the littlest member of your family to the oldest. You now have one simple solution for all your family's skin health needs. I have three kids. We have injuries in our house almost daily. And so it's so nice to have active skin repair to reach for in my cabinet because I know that it's safe, natural, and non-toxic. We use it for things like burns or scrapes or cuts. My youngest daughter recently had a really bad finger injury, and we were using it on her, and it did not sting or burn her at all. So it was perfect. Today, as a listener of this podcast, you can get a special discount on your order of active skin repair. Visit activeskinrepair.com to learn more. And to get 20% off your order, use code NO ONE TOLD US. That's activeskinrepair.com, code NO ONE TOLD US for 20% off your order. Uh, no, I am curious so about this though,
1: because I, yeah. with my son, I feel like, and another a reason I started thinking about it, you know, when he was a year and a half or two years old, I felt like he had a lot of anxiety, like around naps yeah. and around bedtime. And that's maybe why he wasn't asleep, sleeping as well. But I am curious with your younger ones who you did not do the sleep training with, how do they sleep? Because how old is your middle?
0: My middle is three.
1: Okay. So, she, how do they sleep? okay.
0: She sleeps now totally fine. She goes to bed and sleeps in her own bed in her own room all night. Yeah, yeah. And she was my like barnacle baby. She was my COVID baby. Like she was literally attached to me for the first year and a half of her life. Didn't have any other caregivers. My husband was an essential worker. So like he was not even home like yours. She didn't take a bottle. Like she was literally on me all day, every day. Mm -hmm. She bed shared Mm -hmm. until she was two. and then. Uh, We did like part-time bed sharing, actually. We always, from the time she was about seven or eight months, we would put her down at bedtime in the crib and we Uh would like do some crib naps. Right. Um, And then over time, like that kind of just lengthened as she got just like more comfortable and used to it. So she would go down at bedtime in her crib, sleep in there, you know, until midnight one or 2 a.m. on a good night and then I was lazy so brought her to bed yeah, totally. um and she would like nurse on demand pretty much until morning yeah. and then once she was about two I was kind of over it and we were starting to think about wanting to have a third so I was like let's see if we can shift this because I knew that I didn't really want a tandem feed or like yeah. breastfeed throughout pregnancy even though I did end up doing it until my second trimester oh, did you um have- yeah. So we night weaned her and my husband was kind of like on duty for her while we did that. And we had to try that three separate times because like one time she got sick or something, she got hand, foot, mouth, which oh, is no, really, really, disgusting, but, like, she really needed the nursing for comfort. Yep. And then there was another time we tried it at a really stupid time because we were traveling. But then uh, the third time she was about two and she started sleeping through the night like that week. And she's had like ups and downs, of course, because sleep is not linear. Like when she's sick, she'll still wake up at night. Or, you know, sometimes she'll have like a bad dream and and scream out or something and just need a little bit of resettling. But it's so easy now that it it's like you said before, too, you kind of forget what you do in the early days. Because like, once they're out of it, it just seems like, oh, well, that was tough. But now it's okay. And um, <laughs> it's just like everything else in parenting. It's just everything is a phase. And when we when we attach so much anxiety to one phase because we think it's going to last forever, it just makes it so much harder than it probably needs to be, right?
1: 100%. And I'm really interested to see how this time around. I mean, look, we are, I am going to try to be more intentional about certain things with this third baby
0: because- Yeah, so what are you going to do differently? I want to hear about
1: that. So for me, like nursing on demand uh, was always just- easiest. Like, you know, once breastfeeding is established, I just felt like it was easiest for any inconvenience, any upset with the baby, be like, Oh, put them on the boob, you know, whatever.
0: Yeah. The boob usually works for pretty much any little ailment that they have, but then it does get exhausting. And especially when you have two other kids. Yeah. It's not as easy to just pop them on all the time.
1: Well, and I will say, so because I got pregnant when my daughter was seven months old, so she was only 16 months old when my son That's was born. That's a really close. It was yeah. really close. So yeah. I nursed her throughout pregnancy and luckily I didn't have any, oh my gosh, TMI, but this pregnancy I'm having so much more nipple discomfort. Like I know, oh, yeah. I would not have been able to handle it, but I was totally, yeah, yeah I was totally comfortable, uh, nursing her throughout pregnancy. Luckily. Um, And then tandem feeding, because she was still like a baby, it kind of made things easier because I would just like flop on the couch and would be like, whatever, like both of you just nurse for the next hour while I'm like on my phone.
0: Scrolling. Yeah, exactly.
1: (laughs) So I kind of felt like that made things a little bit easier for me in a way. Um, And I almost would say I like over relied on Boob for everything where I was just like, yeah, and you know, traveling, whatever. It was like, I would be Yeah. Anyway, so this time around, I am trying to be a more intentional one about incorporating bottle regularly, Mm -hmm. um, kind of from the start. Well, we'll see how this breastfeeding journey goes. But um, with my first two, aside from a couple uh, blips in the road, and I had the help of a lactation consultant, um, you know, otherwise, they were pretty solid nursers, um, you know, no restrictions or anything like that. So if this it's the same this time around, I feel pretty confident that I'm going to immediately start introducing bottle and having it be part of the routine. Try to have, yeah. I'm going to try to have uh, gray do like evening feeds, not night feeds because to be honest, I feel like that's just wor- more work for me. Cause then I'm like, I'm still going to have to be releasing milk at night.
0: I know. Um, and I hate pumping. That's what oh. we always do too. I was like, I'm too lazy. Just give her to me. Oh. Even though like I wanted him to be involved and to help. Yeah. It's, yes. yeah it just is. It's work for you no matter what.
1: It is. So uh, I, did, I would do the exact same thing. So this time around, I'm really going to be relying on the ha- Haka to catch milk, especially in those first few weeks when it's really just flowing. So yeah. I'm going to try to be really intentional about saving milk through the Haka and having him just do like kind of the bedtime, I'd love to have him just do a bedtime bottle um, yes. and kind of create that association from yes. the get of like, yeah.
0: or even just a little dream feed so that you can get like a, a stretch of sleep at the beginning.
1: Yeah. So, okay. and I kind of like to create an association with dad too, around like the bedtime hours and kind of like yeah, kind of establish that from the start. So mm-hmm. that's one thing I'm going to be doing and we'll see. I said, I was going to do this with my son, but you know, I guess my daughter was still really little. And this time around with them being three and four, uh, I probably will have a little more space to for that intentionality. But I'd really like to practice setting baby down and not just holding them and nursing them through their whole nap. Like, yeah, um, in the first few weeks. Yeah. But I kind of want to set a little cutoff for myself, like, all right, around six or eight weeks, like, let's start. Trying to lay baby down, you yeah. know, on the bed or in the crib mm-hmm. or in the basket or whatever.
0: And it's nice now that you have a little bit of a bigger gap. I think you're going to love it because we, my first two are nowhere near as close as yours, but they're closer. They're only like two years apart. Yeah. So my two-year-old still kind of felt like a baby when mm-hmm. we brought home my middle. And with this last one, we waited a little bit longer so that the kids were three and five. Um, And it is just like a world of difference. Like it's so nice to have them a little bit more independent with okay. the baby around, like they can play on their own, they can grab their own snacks, yeah. like they don't need me for every single thing all the time. Um, And it's just been so much less stressful. So I'm really excited for you to have that and to see how different it feels. Now, the only thing is
1: I was just saying yesterday because we were visiting my family and I'm like, oh man, like we're in the phase right now where like I go hours without being touched. <laughs> that's I know. Funny. I
0: know. <laughs> it's hard to start over.
1: As I know. I was like, all right, the next year and a half or so it's uh, back to, back to me being touched. Like every yeah, hour. A lot. here we go. So yeah, you know. that's
0: the only thing when you have them close together, it's like, you don't get that break. So you don't know how nice it is. And it's like sleeping through the night too. It's like, once your kids start sleeping through the night is when you kind of get that baby fever, like, Oh, maybe we can do this again. But then you're like, Oh, <laughs> the reality.
1: The reality yeah. it's in. No, but I think, I mean, I think it would be great. And it does, it does go by so fast. Cause now I'm like, Holy cow. Like these two are three and four. And like, you know, it yeah. is a phase. You do have that confidence. I think that was the biggest shift or that's the biggest shift going into this one. Cause there is a bigger gap than just half a year. But I'm like, man, it does, this too shall pass. And I think that that's like the most important thing to remember to tell new parents and not in a way of like, make sure you save her every moment or whatever. Because for me, the infant days are really hard and I, I don't enjoy them half as much as I do toddlerhood and, you know, whatever. So I think just remembering this too shall pass is huge. And I found Mm -hmm. your account through a friend who had her baby in November, and she always reposts a lot of your a lot of your posts. And I was like, wow, this is so great that that you know you are giving the people the reassurance like this too shall pass, this is normal, don't worry, like it won't be forever because it does feel like forever, especially with a first baby. Like it just and it sounds
0: so cliche, and sometimes I feel like I'm like a broken record saying that kind of thing, and a lot of people. Don't like that message. Like, a lot of people are like, I need tips. I need you to tell me exactly what to do. I need a formula. So, you know, that message is not for everybody. And, like, I'm not for everybody, and my page is definitely not for everybody. But I do think that everybody could benefit from just having like really realistic expectations going in. And I think that's one of the biggest problems in our society is that parents are just so unprepared for what not only what sleep looks like, but what the early days of parenthood look like. And I don't know if that's a new problem with social media showing, you know, like unrealistic things. Um, I know I even get incredibly triggered when I see certain things come across like my TikTok. I
1: remember watching someone's Instagram story who had their baby not too long after me. And I remember them and their husband having dinner out in the backyard with a baby monitor and baby was like sleeping peacefully at like 830. And I was like, Oh, I was just like you know. I was like, why is that not me right now? Like, I want that. Yeah. Like, why don't I have that? Ah. And so I just felt alone. I'm like, man, is no one else going through like this that I'm experiencing? Like, am yeah. I the only person in the world going through this? Which obviously not. But at the time, not having a community around me, it was like, yeah, I felt like I was the only one. The
0: only one yeah. There. And I feel like that's part of the problem too. Is like we're not living in these communities anymore. Like most of us are so isolated and. I mean, it's sad. Like I I hear from so many moms that really don't even have other mom friends. Like they really are just so incredibly alone. And so we look to this, like we look to social media to be like our quote unquote village and to show us what it's supposed to be like and to give us advice and to make us feel this sense of like community and camaraderie. But then it can also have the opposite effect. And I actually wanted to ask you about that because you are... You know, in the public eye, yeah. Um, and so, how does that? Because a lot of these things are are coming from people in like the influencer community. They're not necessarily experts in things like sleep or feeding or parenting, but they are out there sharing their experiences, giving their advice, and it can be helpful sometimes. Um, and it can be really detrimental at other times. And I think you have such a nice balance on your page where you really show the realities of motherhood, and and you're very real, and you don't exploit. Your kids, and I think that's so refreshing. But there are a lot of like problematic accounts out there. What do What do you think about kind of like the influencer parenting space?
1: I mean, it sucks. I mean, there's obviously just misinformation on the internet all over the place, and most Mm -hmm. of the time, I just have to remind myself it's usually not coming from any kind of a bad place. It's usually just information, you know. And and dude, you know, horrible information is given all the time by experts. My, so true. Oh my God! Like yeah, you know, it's so I, true. I remember my pediatrician being like, "Well, how how big is the fat layer on your pumped milk?" Well, she's probably not sleeping through the night because you don't have <gasps> enough fat in your breast milk. And Shut you know, I, well, thankfully, I kind of cross check everything, and so I, you know, was able to talk to a person who was actually trained in lactation, and yep. like, no, well, that's BS. Like that, yep. no you know, just stuff like that. There's so, so people are being given bad information from so-called experts. Um, And as you talk about, you know, sleep training experts, people that don't actually have any kind of real, you know, there's no bar for qualification to be.
0: Yeah, no, exactly. It's such a huge problem.
1: Um, But I just try to remember people are coming from a good place. And the only thing you can do is just try to combat that. And uh, Yeah, it's hard. I think that a big thing, a big issue too, is that because we live in a super consumeristic society, the end goal, right, is to try to, for people to try to be able to make money. And unfortunately, Mm -hmm. because of the way my brother was just telling me the other day, because he's into marketing, he was reading a book about how specifically new mothers Our brains are wired so differently, just transitioning from during pregnancy and early motherhood, that our brains are super, super, super susceptible to certain messages. And so it is like we are fodder for marketing to be trying to be sold stuff. and. So that makes us like, that makes us perfect targets to be sold messages. I mean, I get these, they drive me nuts. I think I posted about it one day. I get these, um, I think the diaper ads of like, my baby slept nine hours last night or whatever you need to do, you sell your diaper, right? It's like, if I'd been the first (laughs) time mom, now I know I'm like, no freaking diaper is going to get my kid to sleep through the night if they're not. not. I think that we're always going to be, or not we, but I think that companies are always going to be trying to create more issues if there is a vulnerable point where people can be sold stuff, whether that's a fancy sleep sack or a pair of overnight diapers or whatever. So I think that we also just have to remember like a lot of these messages are originating in someone trying to make money,
0: unfortunately. Yeah. Like who's benefiting so- from this message, right? Um, yeah. yeah. We have to I mean, be super I- careful consumers, especially on social media where anybody can say anything that they want. And it's like, yeah. like, it's it's really the wild west.
1: And at the end of the day, I think like the best thing that you can do for yourself is to, and, and it's such a cliche phrase and I know it doesn't work all the time, but if you really can just try to be you know, confident in the intelligence of like your baby and your body and your intuition, all those kind of things. I do think at the end of the day, if you can have some confidence in, in your own judgment in that it's a little easier to sift through all of that BS, because you do know your baby, you know, and you you do know yourself. So I think sometimes you have to remember, especially as a new parent to sometimes just pause, maybe delete your social media apps for a little bit, and just kind of try to drop back down, touch grass a little bit, go outside, take a deep breath. And I think that also just important, especially when people are a little bit further down the road, like I think also don't beat yourself up too much either. Because, mm-hmm. you know, it, it's really interesting because when I was posting about like, well, I don't think I'm going to sleep. I don't remember what I posted about. Sleep training, not doing it. People are just really, really defensive. And I'm like, dude, I'm saying I did this with my first right. two. Oh, no, they like, don't
0: care. I say that all the time. And they still say that I'm shaming them and judging them and all of this <laughs> stuff. It's like I honestly think sleep is like the most contentious. I
1: think it's because yeah. I mean, people <laughs> there's definitely a lot of really, 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 really strong feelings. Yeah, I'd say feeding is another big one. Yeah. But yeah, I think that it's just strange. Cause I'm like, no, I'm not saying, I'm literally not saying anyone's a bad parent. I did like I did.
0: <laughs> and yeah, it's, it's wild that you're judged so harshly for not wanting to do something.
1: You know, it's projection. Yeah.
0: People, people are- think that it means that if they did it, you think they're bad. And it's like, no, it's just, this is not something I care to do or that I want to do again. That doesn't mean that I don't think you should do it or that you can't do it.
1: People were giving me advice, friends were like, you know what, If maybe you should just go stay at the hotel for the night and have great, like, oh, yeah. you know, turn up. And then when you think about it, you're like, wow, if I, if my biological response is so distressing, but I need to
0: leave
1: be in distress, maybe we need to pause and think about what we're suggesting here. Yep. If I, if I physically and emotionally can't handle this. Maybe that's a message. And again, I did it. I put in my headphones too and ignored it while my baby screamed in the other mm-hmm. room. And, you know, I think that, again, and this is just applies to all things on social media. If we're having a really intense emotional reaction to something, mm-hmm. then we should probably, it applies offline too. I'm still practicing it. I'm not very good at it at times. Same. But what we should do is remove ourselves, take a breath, think about, why we're having that emotional reaction.
0: Yeah, why are we so triggered by this stranger on the internet and their opinion on something that has nothing to do with my life?
2: Well, hey there, Busy Mama. Are you looking for ways to make your life easier, your home less chaotic, and at the same time, add more joy to your life? My name is Deanna Yates, and I'm the host of Wanna Be Clutter Free, a podcast all about letting go of the stuff we don't need in our lives so that we can focus on what truly matters. So join me over on the podcast where we can work on progress over perfection for those of us that want to be clutter-free.
3: If you like this show, there's a decent chance you'll also enjoy the Shameless Mom Academy. Hi, I'm Sarah Dean, the founder and host of the Shameless Mom Academy. The Shameless Mom Academy is a podcast for moms that centers moms more than it centers your kids. I'm not going to teach you how to make baby food or how to make your three-year-old or 13-year-old stop having tantrums. Instead, I'm going to bring you back to yourself. So come check out the Shameless Mom Academy wherever you listen to podcasts. I'm willing to bet you'll leave feeling a little inspired and maybe even completely fired up. And you'll probably laugh a few times because I promise we never take ourselves too seriously over here. With 700 episodes to choose from, you're likely going to find something that sparks and speaks to you inside the Shameless Mom Academy.
0: Like, what would you say is the most controversial thing as far as parenting that you've gotten like the most angry messages about?
3: There's...
1: (laughs) Countless things.
0: Um, what was the most recent thing you added it to your bio? And I was cackling. It was like too nice oh, to children I, or something.
1: Oh, too pro kid. two pro kid. Yeah, two yeah, pro yeah. Kid. <laughs> they're yeah, they're like sister in law or something. So they she unfollowed me because I was like two pro kids. That was weird. But um, no, I mean definitely the most the most recent controversy was we you know are raising animals in our backyard and we're doing so cool. rabbits for meat and so when I post it and you know I love to poke a little bit um but there's times where I just I don't expect that things are going to get taken like so far mm-hmm. so anyway we're really upset about that you know that the kids were playing with the brothers so. um
0: it's so cool but that I- you're doing all this like homesteading though I'm being like your tincture journey and like it's just very cool are you just like self-taught with all of this or how where are you learning about everything
1: yeah. I mean, honestly, most, it's funny cause I get messages and this is just kind of something, I mean, I've, I've always been into this sort of thing and my mom was growing up too. Um, but you know, I live in the middle of the city, I live in the middle of LA County, like next to apartment buildings and all that kind of thing. But I think in the last year and a half or so I've just started like Googling, like, I'll be like, Oh, like I'll just be laying in bed at night and be like, how is like, how do you make like apple cider vinegar? And then I'll just Google it. <laughs> What I've started realizing as I started doing this probably like a year ago, is you don't realize like how many things are actually so easy and like actually quite like once you get into a groove, like actually shockingly easy to like incorporate into your everyday life. So I've really had fun just kind of learning more about like how things are made and how I can kind of incorporate those processes into really my home. Cool. And it just also- Slow down and be more present, I think, in my house and with my family and with my consumption and like all those sorts of things, and I think like that's kind of the important message of parenting that is so much easier said than done is can you just like slow down, and you know the days are long, but the months are year and years are short totally as they me, and just like you know just pause and try to drink it try try to drink it all in, I think, yeah. Um, which is again much easier said than done for me the first year was very much survival for some people it's the toddler years there's always going to be phases where you're like I can't wait for this to be over for sure. and I, you don't have to feel guilty about that right no. like totally times where no. you're like I can't wait for this chapter to be done and guess what you never look back at that chapter and be like oh i miss it there are times where you're like Yep. I'm still glad. so glad that's
0: over. And it's also, it's so funny too, because it can be different with each kid. Like with my first, I was so overwhelmed. I had such bad postpartum anxiety. I could not wait for the newborn phase to be over. And then with my last two babies, I loved the newborn phase so much. So, you know, also just don't be afraid to like let one experience just be one experience and be open to your next one being a little bit different, either for better or for worse. You don't know, but um, not every postpartum is going to look exactly the same. It rarely does actually.
1: Oh, a hundred percent. I was like so prepared going in for my second because with my first, I just was not counting on how crazy I would feel yeah. emotionally and how wild my hormones would be and recovery and all that stuff. So for my second, it was like, it's like, here's my plan. Like, here, I'm hiring a postpartum doula. I'm stacking all the family and friends over the course of these days. And I'm telling everyone that you need to cook. Yes,
0: a I love that. What's your, you don't have to tell me your whole birth plan, but what are some things birth related that you feel like you're going to do differently this time around?
1: Well, so with my, um, I had my first in a birth center. And um, even though that was with a midwife, it was pretty like run of the mill, I'd say like just medical wise. Yeah. And I was like, I did a little glucose testing. thing. I did, you know, got cervical checks, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. I mean, crazy. But with my second, we had him at home and it was a different midwife. And, um, she was just a lot more hands off. And during the birth with my second, I, I mean, and obviously subsequent births are generally more smooth too, but, um, I didn't do, yeah, I didn't do any cervical checks with my second throughout the birth. And, I really—that was like actually my one goal with that birth—is I was like, I am just going to wait to push until I feel like I have to, because it was just again really exhausting, really
0: a lot. Oh hours. yeah, with my first, I pushed for like three and a half hours, mm-hmm. and I felt like a bus had hit me for the whole week after that, and it was oh. yeah,
1: sitting like yapping, everything was just horrific. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> That's not fun. Um, so with my second, I really focused on that. So that was cool, to Because there was a just it felt really different the second time again, second babies. Um, with my third, uh, I kind of had the same plan to keep things really kind of hands off during the actual birth. And I'm really excited about having the kids there. My, my hope I'm trying to manifest out there is I would really like a day birth. Yes. In my control at all, unfortunately.
0: Yeah. But you um, want to have the kids like awake and there for it.
1: And also with my last, I just remember with him, you know, uh for me, I always labor kind of really hit when the sun would go down mm-hmm. and like when the attractions would stop. You know, it's like I need the primal cover of night. Yeah. I, I just remember with my last, I remember it being like eleven or midnight or something. He was born around three a.m. and I remember just being like. This is my bedtime. Like, I want to be right. Oh
0: my gosh, that's so hard. You're physically exhausted, but you're also like, my body should be asleep right now.
1: (laughs) Way past my bedtime. Yeah. So that's just a wish that I have. Well, we'll put it out
0: there. We'll manifest a day birth. Yeah. My last one was nighttime. She was born at 10 p.m. And I actually loved that because I put my kids to bed. I started contracting while like reading their bedtime stories. And so I knew, sorry.
1: That's quick.
0: It was very quick. Yeah. Third was very, very quick. I was also, I had had a membrane sweep that day, which is like a whole nother story. I was like 41 and two. First was born on his due date. And I mean, due dates are like meaningless, right? But my second was two days late. So both were pretty on time. So this one, I was much later. I was like very anxious, ready to get her out. Um, But yeah, so I had gone in that day. They wanted to induce me. I didn't want to be induced, but I was like, I'll settle for a membrane sweep started contracting a few hours later, like, while I was putting them to bed. So I was able to kind of tell them, like, hey, like, I might not be here when you wake up. Like, baby might be coming tonight. So anyway, so I called my mother-in-law. She came over. Um, but it was kind of perfect because we, like, we got to put the kids to bed the way we always do. Left the hospital once they were down. And baby was born an hour later. And then,
1: oh my God, yeah, it was only
0: 10 o'clock at night. So I was like, this is perfect. Like, we can hang out for a little bit and then go to sleep. and <laughs> <laughs> of yeah. course you're not doing much sleeping on nights one or two but um yeah that was very nice because my other ones I went in like you said like I went into labor more in the middle of the night so by the time they were actually born I had felt just exhausted because I hadn't oh, slept
1: gosh. oh also a- another thing I'm trying to prepare for the third time around is I had the worst afterbirth contractions with my second oh those are,
0: yeah those are another thing nobody tells you about nobody tells you about those or like the shaking it's it, oh, it's intense
1: flavor yep. it was like in bed after being like like i thought this was over no. like, oh.
0: and actually i think they say that with subsequent births it can get worse right so this one maybe just prepare yourself a little bit more
1: i am yeah, like all right i'm gonna have everything <laughs> like the strong ibuprofen yep. or whatever you know, i'm gonna try to experiment with some like herbal stuff see if i can get some relief because that was gnarly the second time so yeah and i just remember like handing him off to gray and being like, hold him. Like I, yeah. no, I'm not, not okay space. right now. <laughs> Wait, that's wild though. That that is a, that's a precipitous labor. Yeah. My
0: second was precipitous too. And she ended up being born in our bathroom. Um, oh my- yeah, not planned. Cause we just didn't make it in time. Like by the time we, by the time my husband had got like our car packed and like had called his mom and we were waiting for her to come over for my son, I was like in transition. So I told my two-year-old to bring me my phone and I called the ambulance and they did not arrive on time. So my husband actually delivered her. He pulled her out. Um, while my two-year-old is like standing there, like, what What the fuck is happening? (laughs) Oh
1: my God. That's not ideal.
0: No, it was not. But you know, what's so funny is that I... I had such a hard hospital birth with my first that having that happen. And I mean, it was quick. So obviously a quick labor is easier no matter where you are, but I kind of, but it was, it was intense. Yeah. I was scared just because I was like alone and I was, she came out and she was kind of gray and like in shock and she didn't cry right away. So that was very scary, but overall it was like fine. And so I actually really considered a home birth for my third and it didn't work out because our house was under construction and we were like, We were in transition, not sure where we'd be living when she was born. Otherwise, I would have loved to do a home birth because there is something, I don't know, there's just something nice about not being like medicalized. So I don't know.
1: Just getting to go get in your bed after, I think. I mean, that's, that's, that's pretty nice. Totally.
0: Yeah. And if you want to have your kids there, that's so special too. And like, we ended up having a great hospital birth and I actually, my daughter had RSV at the time. So it was actually nice to be in the hospital and, you know away from that with, with the newborn. So it all worked out for the best, but, um, so
1: you've known when you started getting contractions, you're like, okay, so we need to go like yeah. right now. Oh yeah.
0: I texted my husband cause he was laying with my son and I was laying with my daughter in a different room. And I was like, I'm feeling contractions, like call your mom. And luckily she only lived five minutes away. Um, and I was like, we gotta go. And so my daughter, thank God, fell asleep quickly that night <laughs> cause she was sick. We left, within like an hour and then like I said we got to the hospital and she was born an hour later. So we really made it in the nick of time because I really did not want a car birth. That was one thing I was trying to avoid. Oh, heck no. Uh, no no.
1: I didn't want
0: to do that anymore. Oh my gosh. Well Becca, it's been so fun to talk to you about all things kids and birth. Um you are just like So cool and such a wealth of knowledge on so many different topics. So people can follow you at Becca B-E-K-A-H on Instagram. And then your YouTube channel is also really cool. You do more like long form stuff over there. And that's the Martinez.
1: You know how it is. Your
0: home tour though was so cool.
1: Oh, thank you. Oh my gosh. (laughs) I
0: love like a real home tour. Like that's what we need more of on the internet, really
1: you can watch my whole my whole meltdown on keeping my house clean and then watch the tour of our house you're always seeing someone's same corner of their house on Instagram that looks the best so (laughs) I do it everyone does it everyone does it
0: it's true and yeah people just need to be aware of it right like nobody is perfect nobody has it all together and if they do they're probably driving themselves absolutely insane to maintain that because it's just not normal (laughs) thank you so so much it was so fun to chat with you is there anywhere else that you want people to come find you
1: YouTube, Instagram, TikTok, you know, one of my main things on Instagram at Becca.
0: Perfect. All right, cool. Thank you so much. No one told us the truth about parenthood. Why? This is the podcast everyone needed before they had kids because now that those little ones are here, whew, there is a lot to unpack.